Well, good morning, Coastal. How are you guys doing this morning? Awesome, awesome, awesome. Hey, let me just say on the front of this, if, if you have kids in here or you have uh, students that you're not ready for them to hear uh, real life a little bit as we go a little bit deeper today, we're going to be talking about sex. If you don't want your students to hear that, if you don't want to hear that, you might want to leave right now. Uh, and, and so I'm just putting it out there. Like, don't be offended. Like, I'm not going to be offended if you get up and, and leave right now. I might be if you get up and leave during the middle of the message. And so... Uh, <laughs> Just kidding, just kidding. Hey, uh, we like to have fun here. Today is going to be a little bit different and probably is not going to be quite as much fun as, as all the other ones because today we're going to be diving in and we're going to be talking about sex. Everybody say sex. Okay, no, like that wasn't very exciting right there. Like sex. Like, okay, married people. Everybody, all right, like married people. Come on, everybody say sex. Okay, single people said it that time. I heard the single people. Let's try it one more time. Third time's a charm, I promise. Everybody say sex. Much better. We're going to be talking about sex today, and we're going to be diving into God's Word. If you have your Bible, if you want to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, that's where we'll be hanging out today. And, and before we kind of go there, I was thinking a lot about this message, and I was thinking a lot about last year. Last year, we did a Q&A, and, and over time, people were sending in questions for a Q&A we did last year. And the majority of the things that people were sending in questions about were about sex. And so, you know, for a long time, this has been a subject kind of the church has shied away from. Uh, for some reason, they haven't talked a lot about this. And, and it's not that people aren't interested in this subject. It's just that we haven't had the guts to go there and talk about real life and reality and what does that look like for us. And so today, we're going to kind of just, we're just going to go there. And, and throughout this series, we've been throwing this up here. Um, if you have questions, we're going to do a Q&A at the end of this series. If you have questions about relationships, you have your questions about sex, you have, you just have questions, go ahead and text those into that number there. We'd be more than happy to answer those on that Sunday. Man, we're just going to go crazy. If you weren't here last year for it, it was a lot of fun. Shayla and I got up here. They just threw questions at us. We had no idea what was coming, and we just answered them. And so it was lots of fun. It'll be lots of fun. Uh, but some of the questions that didn't get thrown up there last year were like, oh my gosh. Like, seriously. Uh, people were asking crazy, crazy questions, and, and, and I wanted to just like text them back like, are you married? And they'd be like, no. And I'd be like, stop testing those questions, pervert. You know, like that's, that's kind of how I felt um, uh, about a lot of them after I saw them. And so, uh, so today we're going to talk about things that probably you've never heard in church. And let me just say this. If, if you kind of come from a church background, this message is probably going to be highly offensive to you. Um, so the more church you are, probably the more offended you're going to be because you're going to hear things like masturbation and, and, and stuff like that and oral sex. And, and we're going to talk about it. We're going to dive in because those are the questions that people were asking. Those are the things that people want to know about. And God actually has a lot to say about that kind of stuff. And so we just want to break it down and we want to talk about it and we want to get real and we want to get it authentic and we want to pull back the sheets on the realities of sex. And so today, that's exactly what we're going to do. And so we're going we're gonna to start off by answering three questions that I think we have to answer when we're talking about sex and like what is right and what, what the Bible calls what is sexually immoral. And so today, we're going to be looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And the first question that we have got to answer is this, is am I trying to please myself or am I trying to please Christ? Am I trying to please myself 
or am I trying to please Christ? And, and, and if you're a Christian, the answer should be really simple. It should be like you are trying to please Christ. Now, if you're not a Christian, the answer is really, really simple for you. You're trying to please yourself. Let, let's just be honest here. If you're not following Christ, you're probably not trying to please Christ, or you're trying to please yourself. Nothing wrong with that because that's, that's your life right now, and that's okay. Uh, we don't necessarily want it to stay that way, but that's just the reality. But this is what I know if we're really, really honest in this room. The majority of us are selfish. Any selfish people out there? Three of us. Uh, okay, here, well, I'll, make it, I'll make it easy on you. Just turn to your neighbor and say, you're selfish. Some married people like really, really enjoyed that. They're like, they've been waiting all morning to be like, you're selfish. <laughs> Took that last glazed donut out there. I was wanting that. And <laughs> I've discovered like... When I got married, I quickly found out how selfish I was in life. Anybody else, when they got married, they discovered how selfish they were? I didn't realize how selfish I was until I got married to Shayla, and I discovered things like she would put, like, the milk carton back in the milk, or back in the refrigerator, and I'd pull it out, and I would go to, like, get some milk, and there would be, like, barely enough milk to, like, wet a Cheerio, you know what I'm saying? And, like, I'd get ticked. I'd be like, what's up with that? You know, like, that's my milk. That's my milk, woman, you know, and it just didn't go real well, and I've been told, like, when you have kids, like, your selfishness really, really comes out. Like, it's I don't know what that's like yet. So parents can verify that. I, I see some parents right now. They're like, heck yeah, kids will reveal your selfishness. And this is the thing. We, we've all got this streak of selfishness in our life that we all have got to deal with at some point. So we got to ask ourselves, who am I serving? Like, who am I serving? Am I serving myself or am I serving Christ? Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 4 Paul is, is talking, and this is what he says. He says, finally, brothers, which is kind of funny because he goes on to read, write like two more chapters. So this really isn't the end of his message. Like it's just kind of the middle. He goes, we ask you, or we ask and we urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you were doing, that you do so more and more. He goes, man, let me, like, as you've received Christ, as part of a, being a follower of Christ, what he's saying there is, 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 like, our responsibility as a Christ follower is to live this life that is pleasing to God. Like, it's our priority. It should be the very nature of who we are as Christians to be a follower of Christ. And what happens is when we accept Christ, we are dead to the world. That's in essence what we're doing. We're dying to our old way of living and we're becoming a new creation, living in Christ. And so daily we're saying like, hey, I don't wanna live for what I desire and what I want, but every day I'm gonna wake up and I'm gonna say, Jesus, like I wanna follow you. Help me to live a life that's pleasing you. Help me to walk in your ways. Now the tendency for all of us is to go like, God, I, I love you, but I wanna go live for myself. I want to do the things that I want to do myself, and the, those are the very things that displease you. And what we do is we do those things, and we just go back to God, and we say, God, will you forgive me, knowing very, very well that we're just going to turn around and do those things over and over again. Because a lot of times we're living for ourselves rather than living for Christ. And so we have to ask ourselves, are we living a life that pleases Christ? Because when you become a Christian, it's not just so you can get a, like, I get a get out of hell free card. 
Like that's one of the benefits, but it's so that we can follow after Jesus with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind and our strength and dying to ourselves and, and saying, God, my life is not my own. If you'll show me how to live for you, then I'll live for you, no questions asked. Fully and completely. Now, anytime we start talking about sex, there there always be, always, guarantee it, I'm going to get an email tonight or tomorrow or somebody's going to stop me after one of the services and they're going to be like, whoa, 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 TJ. So you're telling me as a a 30-something-year-old or a 40-year-old adult that I just can't, as a mature adult, I just can't go have sex with anybody I want. And I want to say, listen, if you're a mature adult, like have some freaking self-control and live a life that pleases Christ. Seriously, like a mature adult is living a life that pleases Christ and that is not pleasing yourself, which means no, you can't go have sex with everybody else whenever you want. That's not maturity. Well, TJ, but I have rights. No, you don't. Dead people don't have rights. Like you were bought with a price. The price was the blood of Jesus. You don't have rights. Man, you have a responsibility to live fully devoted to Jesus. That's what you signed up for. That's what he said, I want to do. So act like a mature adult. A mature adult is one that's following after Jesus. Didn't figure there's going to be a lot of amens. Verse (sighs) 2. He goes on to say, for you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. In other other words, what Paul is saying is he's saying, listen, these aren't my words. These are Jesus' words. And so, like, this isn't just my thoughts and my ideas, but these are the things that Jesus actually said. Now, in verse 3, man, the first seven words, if you have your Bible or you have your notes there, man, I want you to underline these first seven words of verse 3 because they're so important. And he says, for this is the will of God. Let me give you a quick quick Greek study right here. For this is the will of God means that this is the will of God. Some of y'all are like, what do I do? Like, what is God's will? Whatever Paul says right after this, you can take this to the bank. This is God's will for your life, okay? Here it is. He goes, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. He's saying, listen, this is the will that you would be sanctified, that you would be set apart in life, that there would be some things that you would say, this is how I'm going to live. And then there's some things in your life that you're going to say, like, I'm not going to really participate in that because I want my life to be a little bit different. I want my life to be a reflection of Jesus. And, and I know that this is true because there's all things in life that all of us have that we go, you know what, that's just not good for my life. I grew up in a family where my dad is fat, my mom is fat. Uh, we, they all struggle with, in fact, over the last three months, my par- both of my parents have been in and out of hospitals like every other week. It's like one of them is in the hospital. Next week, the next one's in the hospital. All because of health-related issues. And so I started looking at that over the last year or so and saying like, man, if I don't start making a choice right now to set apart my lifestyle and be healthy and get myself in shape, then man, you know what I'm gonna be? I'm gonna be exactly like them. And so like I decided, you know what? I'm not gonna eat Oreos anymore. In fact, let me just, let me just ruin Oreos for y'all right now. Okay, one, I just read this the other day. One Oreo equals 1,500 jumping jacks. Come on, somebody. How many people like jumping jacks? But, and you can't just eat one, can you? No, it's not possible. There's crack cocaine in there, okay? Crack. They sprinkle it in there, and then they smash it in. I promise. It's not good for you. It's addicting. And, and they know it. They actually, they actually did a study that said that Oreos are more addictive than drugs. And so, like, 
that, like you got to be willing to walk away from some things. So the other day, some people were eating some, there were Oreos in our offices and somebody left them out and they were unpackaged and I walked in there and like Shayla walked over and ate one and she's like, you want some Oreos? And I was like, oh, yes, but I don't want to be fat either. And so like I'm, and like I walked out, I walked out and I said, you know what? I'm not going to do that. If I want to have a different life, I can't eat that Oreo anymore. That's exactly what Paul's saying. He's saying, like, man, if you're going to be set apart to Jesus, like, there's some things you got to do differently. And he doesn't give us a whole bunch of things. He gives us one thing going on. He goes, that you abstain from sexual immorality. He says, man, if you want to be set apart, then you've got to avoid sexual immorality. And how to be sanctified is to walk away from some things, particularly sexual immorality. Now that word sexual immorality right there in the Greek is actually where, the, where we get the word porn from. It's actually the root word of that is pornonia. And so, like, I hear guys all the time, well, I don't see in the Bible that you can't look at porn. It's right there. Where do you think we get the word pornography from, you freaking pervert, okay? It's right there in the Bible. Jesus is saying, man, if we want to look more like him, this is something we're going to have to walk away from in life. And I'm so glad the Apostle Paul didn't give us like a list of things because there would have been some some fruitcake out there that would have gone, well, here's what I can do and here's what I can't do. And they would have found all the reasons they could go out and do whatever they want. And so I love the fact that he just kind of put it all together and said, man, don't try to justify your actions because it's all wrong. And we have got to be willing to address this and walk away from some of these things in our lives. And I think the reason God specifically talks about this as, as, as something that's really important is because I don't, I, I just truly believe this. There is no greater sin that will ruin the work of God in your life than the sin of sexual sin. And, and I'm not saying like that sin's worse than any others, but that but the repercussions of that sin are worse than almost any other. Like I've seen it ruin way too many lives in my 16 years of ministry to say like, oh no, it's okay, it's no different than this or this. No, 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 the consequences of it are way, way different. And for those of us that are Christ followers in here, man, we need to get ourselves right when it comes to this stuff because God does not play when it comes to sexual sin. You can read all throughout the Bible. Like, he kills people. He bring, throws plagues on them. Like, there is a lot of stuff that comes with sexual sin. He doesn't play around with it. So am I serving myself or am I serving Christ? Am I living for myself or am I living for Christ? Question number two, am I believing any lies about sex? Am I believing any lies about sex? Because we love to justify immoral behavior and lie to ourselves or lie to other people about it. And this is actually what the Bible says in John 8, 44. He says, Jesus is talking. He says, you are, the fa- you are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is the liar and the father of lies. Satan is the father of lies. And and I was thinking about today, and I was like, man, I wish that I could just talk to Satan about, like, sexual immorality and, like, what does he kind of think about all this stuff. And so we decided to do that. And so why don't you guys take a look at the screen and and see what Satan has to say about this. (sighs) What's up? Satan, 
So, talking sex. I'm ready. Uh, so are you for oral sex? Definitely for oral sex. Definitely. Wait, but is oral sex sex? Uh, it's not sex. Uh, I plead the fifth. If you're living uh, in today's age and and you're not okay with oral sex, I, you you know the 90s have called. It's what you do. You you get dinner. You have a movie. Uh, oral sex. You go home at night. That's I mean that's it's part of the dating process. I mean. Don't you wish your girlfriend was hot like me? Uh, will premarital sex help your dating relationship? I, I definitely, I'd say, you know, you got to get after that early. You got to start early. Will, uh, will living together help you prepare for marriage? You know, here's the deal. You know, you wouldn't buy a car without going out and put some miles on it. And I, I mean, how, how, how could you marry someone if you don't even know what it's going to be like? I mean, you've got to try that out. What do you think about pornography? The, the biggest problem with pornography, in my mind, is that kids today don't realize how hard it used to be to get pornography. You used to have to work to get that stuff. You actually had to go to the store. Is this, uh, is this decaf or? Think about masturbation. Uh, masturbation, definitely for it. Uh, I'll tell you what, I gotta give it up. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't create things, but I gotta thank God for masturbation. L let me tell you something about masturbation. Number one, masturbation's never hurt anybody, all right? And number two, Masturbation's awesome. I don't do it, though, personally. What about adultery? Do you really want to be locked down with one person? There's probably, what, like six billion people in the world? I mean, that might be what your grandparents thought. We're in a different generation, baby. I've done lots of great things for you. Uh, cats and the plague. So... about uh, homosexuality? If a guy wants to be with another guy, Hey, props to him. More chicks for the rest of us. Am I right? Ah, uh, he knows what I'm talking about. Uh, I don't have a problem with it personally. I mean, you like diet soda, I don't. You know? You know what I'm saying? I mean, we, we try to make things funny or whatever, but here's, here's the dangerous thing, is that there's some people out here today that are saying the exact same thing that Satan's saying. Saying the exact same thing. And that's some scary ground. So we're going to dive in. We're going to talk about some of those lies. And, and so it'll be lots of fun, I promise. First uh, Thessalonians 4, 4 through 6. He says, each one of you know how to control his own body. Another version says, learn to control your body. And, and that's huge right there. He's saying, like, listen, you got to learn to control your body in holiness and honor. And here's what Scripture is saying. Like, listen, if you're out there and you're struggling with sexual sin, like, the reality is, is that, man, it is a tough, tough deal. Sexual sin is a tough deal. And, and let me just be honest and transparent. Like, the reality is, is that, man, sexual sin is probably the greatest struggle for myself as well. And, and like, man, it's, it's not easy. But what I've done is I've set parameters up in place. I've, I've learned to control myself. I've learned to get some accountability in my life. I've got some people that can look at my computer. I've got some things set up around me so that I can fight against it and so that I can overcome it. And God never said that this was going to be an easy thing to overcome. But he said, man, it's something that we've got to be willing to learn how to control our own body. We've got to be willing to fight ourselves in it. 
He, he goes on to say, not in the same passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. And, and basically, we need to know this is that, man, sexual sin, every statistic will show that sexual sin is just as rampant in church people or Christians as it is in the world. And that, that, should, that should mess with us a little bit. There's no difference that no one transgresses and wrongs his brother in this matter. Because the Lord is an avenger in all these things as we told you beforehand and solemnly warn you. Like I said, God doesn't play when it comes to this stuff. And so what are some of the lies that we are believing that Satan is telling us? I think, number one, uh, oral sex isn't sex. Oral sex isn't sex. This is a lie. For some of you, you are like freaking out right now and being like, he can't talk about oral sex in church. Like, he can't talk of that. And, and, and let me just tell you, you wouldn't believe questions we got about oral sex. It blew my mind. And, and, and we're going to go there, and we're going to talk about it both inside marriage, and we're going to talk about it outside marriage. And, and I know some of y'all are like, Jesus, please page my child right now on that screen so I can leave. Like, uh, it's, it's okay. Listen, oral sex outside of marriage, it's a sin. It's a sin. And some dude's like, no, 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 it ain't a sin. There's, there's nothing wrong with it. Okay, if there's nothing wrong with it, say you're getting ready to go on a date tonight, and you go, and, and, and your, your goal for your date tonight is like, man, I hope that I can just kiss that girl. I hope tonight, man, I'm going to get my first kiss from her. But before you go out on your date, you heard that last night she had oral sex with four of your best friends. Are you still going to want to kiss her? Probably not, because, but, but if oral sex isn't sex and it's okay, then you should have no problem with that. Should be no problem. Or maybe, maybe if oral sex isn't sex, and then husband comes home, wife's like, hey, how was your day? Oh, it's great. I had oral sex with my secretary. Like, if oral sex isn't sex, then there should be no problems in that marriage. But we all know that there's going to be some major, major problems in that marriage if that happens. That's what the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 13. Don't let the marriage bed be undefiled. Like when you do sex outside of marriage, any context of sex outside of marriage, it's defiling the marriage bed. Now, what does that look like for in, in marriage? Like, listen, that's between you and your, your husband and your spouse. Whatever you mutually agree to is good for you. Some of you are like, no, no, that's wrong in, in there. No, 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 I don't, I don't know that the Bible says that because Song of Solomon says, come blow on my garden and taste its choice fruits. And let me tell you something, he's not talking about a rose garden there. Some of you are like, he just said blow on my garden, okay. Like, <laughs> doing church here at Coastal, church today. Okay, let's, let's hit something a little less tense. Um, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with masturbation. There's nothing wrong with masturbation. Here's a lie that, that people believe all the time. And here's what's crazy is, is, is that every study that I've read, 99% of American men deal at some point in their life with an issue of masturbation. The other 1%, they deal with lying, okay? And so... But seriously, and in fact, it says that every study I've read says that at least 50% of women are dealing with the issue of masturbation. And, and yet, we don't talk about this at all. 
Like, why aren't we talking about this? Because this, the reality is, is this is a big struggle for a lot of us, and, and nobody's saying anything. We need to get real, and we need to get honest, and we need to get authentic, and, and we're, gonna, we're, we're just going to go there. And so, uh, uh, in fact, I did a men's group a couple years ago, and, and I'll never forget, we were doing this uh, a book called Every Man's Battle. This is like seven or eight years ago, and, and I could not believe the stories of, of guys that were struggling with this. And, and there are certain things like, I just don't want to know all the details. And they'd be like, oh, man, this and this. And I'd be like, oh, that's awesome. Then I'd see them next week, and I'd be like, hey, what's up? Uh, rock, rock. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, like I don't need to know everything. Um, and, 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 but then also on the flip side of that, I would hear all the justifications. And they'd be like, TJ, you don't understand. I, I, I'm going on a business trip, and I need to take care of myself. And I'm like, bro, if you cannot control yourself for four days, you've got more problems than masturbation. Because here's the deal, what happens if your wife becomes terminally ill or gets cancer and can't have sex with you, and your marriage is completely based on sex, you're going to be in big trouble. In fact, you're going to end up leaving that marriage. And guys, as long as you continue to view your wife as only an instrument of sexual pleasure, man, you're going to have some major, major issues in your relationship. It's time to get your hearts right. It's time to look at, like, what is masturbation all about? Because the question I have is, can you masturbate without lusting? Some guys are like, yeah, I can. No, you can't. See, the problem with masturbation is, is it's all about pleasing yourself. That's the exact opposite of what Jesus is all about. Third thing, homosexuality is no big deal. Let me, let me say this very clearly. Like, listen, if you're here and you struggle with this, um, the Bible is very clear that, that homosexuality is a sin and, and God never talks about it in, in, in a positive light all throughout the Bible. On the flip side of that, I, I want you to hear this. Like, I condemn the sin, but I do not condemn you. Like, we love you, and you are welcome here. And your sin is no different than all these other sexual sins that we're talking about right now. And so know this is a place where you can find healing, where you can find truth, and where you can allow God to do a work in your life. And this is what I don't want, is I don't want Christians that are struggling with sin to go, yeah, go get them, when you've got a whole bunch of junk in your life that you need to let God clean out of your life instead of pointing the fingers at other people. Let God deal with their sin while he's dealing with your sin. Yeah, that's a good place to clap, because like... The church has done a terrible job of singling out a group of people that are struggling when there's a whole bunch of us that are struggling, and their struggle is no different than our struggle. Homosexuality is a big deal because God says it's a big deal, and so he said it's wrong. Number four, looking is not a big deal. Looking is not a big deal. I know some of you guys are like, come on, TJ, man, looking at a little bit of porn isn't a big deal. Listen, it's a big deal. I was addicted to pornography from the age of 6 to 19, and let me tell you something, it's a big deal. Like, it messed with me. It jacked me up. And I'm telling you, there's some guy in this room right now, you are stuck, and it's hurting you, and you're addicted to pornography, and you're married, and every night when your wife goes to bed, you go on the couch, and you're watching some movie of some fantasy girl that you're never going to be with. And now let me just tell you something. If you, instead of getting on your couch and watching those movies and those shows and those pictures, would go into your bedroom and spend some time with your wife, your sex Sexual intimacy in your relationship would elevate and your sin nature would decrease. 
Because you would go and spend some time and you would invest in the thing that's going to give you everything that you're looking for, which is right there in your own house, not on some fantasy screen that you're never going to have. See, the best way to avoid sexual immorality, married people, let me just put that, is to have a biblically-based, intimate, loving, exciting relationship. Praise the Lord, hallelujah. We're doing church now. Like, that's how you have a great, like, you have, you can have great sex right there. Not looking at other things, you got to keep some boundaries in your life. When you have boundaries in your relationships, relationships elevate. When there's no boundaries, relationships go to crap. In fact, in that same small group that I had with guys, I had this guy that was showing up to it, and uh, he wasn't a Christian yet. He just, he wanted to find out. I think his girlfriend signed him up for it. So he's like, man, I want to know more about Jesus. I want to know more about the Bible. And so I was like, awesome, man. I got him a Bible. And he's like, where do I start? This is a big book. And I'm like, starting the Gospels. And so he's reading through. And, and one day he calls me up and he's freaking out because he, he was reading in Matthew. And he got to this scripture in Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 through 30. And it says, you have said, you've heard that it was said, you should not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman lustfully in his heart with lustful intent has already committed adultery with his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better for you to lose one of the members than your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go to hell. He calls me up and he goes, dude, what do I do? Like, because I'm lusting, and I love how honest non-Christians are. Like, they do, like there's no filter. They're not, like, holier than thou. Like, oh, man, I'm turning water into wine, non-alcoholic, you know, and, and like, it's all good. Like, that's not, like, he's just like, dude, do, do I gouge my eye out and cut off my hand? I mean, like, what do I do? And I'm like, no, 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 don't, don't, don't do that. Don't become a masochist, okay? We're not asking that. What Jesus is saying right there is he's saying, listen, there are some things that if they're causing you to stumble, you need to get rid of in your life. You need to get rid of some things that are causing you to stumble and fall into sexual immorality. And for some of you, that might mean that you go home today and get on the phone for 24 hours trying to get a hold of Comcast to get rid of those those movie channels that are on your TV. Not that they're bad, they're just bad for you. Maybe for some of you, that means you need to go home and get rid of your internet because it's causing you problems. Maybe for others of you, it means that you're not going to go to lunch with that young lady or that young man that you have not good intentions with anymore, and you're going to cut that relationship off. Maybe for some of you, that means that that affair that you've been having, you're going to go home and confess to your spouse about what happened and try to make things right. And some of you are like, no, I can't do that. That'll, that'll ruin my marriage. No, your affair ruins your marriage, not the confession of it. Man, we got to be willing to get rid of some things in our lives. And we have to confess those things. And we have to repent of those things. And we got to start taking captive thoughts that are coming through our mind. One of the most powerful scriptures that I memorized when I was dealing with my stuff is 2 Corinthians 10.5. And I would encourage you to memorize it. It says, we destroy arguments in in my version that I memorized and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. We gotta take our cap our thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. What does God say about this? I've got to do this because I gotta set myself up to win. And so I'm constantly taking captive thoughts captive. It's why I don't go to LA Fitness anymore. Because I can't take my thoughts captive there, because every booty shaking girl is there trying to pick up a guy, not pick up weights. So I go to CrossFit where they just they're dying and so they can't think about anything else. Like, you're not thinking about that girl. You're thinking about, God, please don't let me have a heart attack, okay? And so, like, you don't care about that girl. Plus, she can beat you up, and so that's intimidating. Um, 
Girls, there be dressing crazy. And ladies, let me just talk to you for a second because this is important. Listen, there is a way to dress attractively, and then there's dressing to attract. And there is a big difference. And some of y'all, you need to understand how you're dressing. And I understand you're like, but, but men are perverts. Yes, they are. I understand that. And I understand that you could go out and you could grab a purple tablecloth and put it on you and guys would be like, hey, check out that girl in the purple tablecloth. I understand there's some problems there. But at the same point, a guy shouldn't be able to look at you and know your bra size right off the bat. Based on what you're wearing. And some girls, they come up to me and they go, why do men stand at, stare at me like I'm a piece of meat? Well, if you put yourself on the meat case into, uh, for display, guys are going to stare at you that way. And listen, no godly guy, which should be the guy that you're going after, wants to see you in that light. They're not seeing how much you can put your boobs out and how short you can make your skirt. They want a girl that's got some class to her, that knows who her worth is from and where she's getting her value at, not from God's attention, but from God's glory shining through her life. How you dress does matter. Okay, number five. Swinging will improve my marriage. And some of y'all don't even know what that is. Um, you're like, I got a porch swing and like, I don't see any problem with us sitting out there. It's not what I'm talking about. Right now there's this phenomenon in culture where, where uh, couples that are not doing well in their relationship, they go, hey, let's get together with another couple and let's switch partners and that'll revive our marriage and that'll revive our sex life. And the problem with that is, is that uh, we can't trump scripture and God says one man, one woman for life. And I know some dude's like, but bro, you don't understand like one woman for the rest of your life, that's boring. And I'd be like, dude, that's because you're not doing it right. You're messing it up because this is what I know. Okay, let's be, ladies, let's be honest. Women are the most complicated creation on the face of the earth. Amen. Like, you cry and you're like, why are you crying? I don't know. We don't, nobody does. God might even be wondering, okay? And I was talking to Shayla about this, and, and she's like, and, and this, is, this is Shayla. Shayla and I got to this conclusion. Listen, listen. Every single day, like, it should never be boring or mundane because every single day that you wake up, your wife is different. Who she woke up as Tuesday is not who she's going to be when she wakes up Wednesday. Come on, you know that's true. And so, like, what worked Tuesday night, probably not going to work Wednesday night. you got to come be creative. And as you're being creative, like, that's going to improve your marriage. Swinging is not going to improve or revive your marriage. Loving your spouse is going to improve or revive your marriage. Last question, am I knowingly rejecting God's instruction? And I'm going to ask you here to get, to get personal. I know it's easy to sit here and think, like, man, I wish Johnny was here, or I wish Sarah was here, or I wish Susie was here. Uh, to, to hear this message. And we don't like getting personal because we don't want anybody to know that we're struggling, but man, we gotta get personal because are we knowingly rejecting God's instruction? Are we missing it? And I don't think we intentionally miss it. In fact, quite a few years ago, I was in Honduras on a missions trip and I was getting ready to preach at this church and uh, we had just ate some Honduran food in like a village and it was, uh, it was awesome. And, but 
sometimes when you're in third world countries, like Montezuma's revenge kind of shows up at the most inopportune times. And so like I'm in the middle of this church service. I'm like getting ready to speak in, in literally like two more worship songs. And like my stomach drops out and it goes, you know that sound when you're like, oh, dear Jesus, please help me. Like my Lanta, where are you? And, and I'm like, is there a bathroom anywhere? And they're like, there's an outhouse out back. And I like, I, I literally sprint to this outhouse. Cause I, you know, when you're close to a restroom, it always gets worse. You know, the closer you get, it, the worse it gets. And so I, I get there, man, I jump in. You can imagine what happens. Uh, that that outhouse is destroyed. And and so uh, I'm like, man, I got to get back and preach. And, and so I look over to where the toilet paper is, and there's no toilet paper. I lost my Christianity right there. I'm just telling you that right now. Like, Jesus was nowhere to be found in that outhouse. and Because I wasn't paying attention. I just got caught up in life. I just got caught up, and I think sometimes... We just get caught up in life and we miss out on what God's saying because there's so much distractions going on and we get caught up in sin and it takes us away. Verses seven and eight. For God has not called us for impurity but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man but God. He's saying, man, you're not disregarding just like my ideas. What you're doing when, when we're living with sexual immorality and we're a Christ follower, Man, we're not disregarding just ourselves. We're disregarding everything that God wants for our lives. And he's saying, man, we've got to deal with this stuff, and we've got to confess it, and we've got to repent it. And, man, we've got to turn to a different way and live for Jesus. And I was thinking about this whole message, and I was thinking about people that are struggling with, with sexual immorality. Maybe you've had a, a pretty wicked past or Maybe you're in the midst of it right now, and, and how do I offer you hope? How do I give you hope? A couple of years ago, um, our, our kids' ministry was, was used in my office for, to do some projects and get some stuff ready for a, a Sunday morning service, and, and they happened to leave a whole bunch of stuff in my office, and so I, I came in on Tuesday morning, and I was like, oh, man, look at all this crap in here, and and I was, I, was a little, I was a little freaking out because I had meetings coming up. And so I'm trying to clear all this stuff off my desk and off my little table and chairs where we meet and different things. And, and, and I happened to knock a bottle of glitter over and it spilled. Like, I'm just going to tell you this right now. Whoever made glitter should be imprisoned for life. I don't know if you've ever tried to clean up a bottle of glitter. But, but it's, it's like I'm vacuuming, I'm sweeping it up, and like no matter how hard I try, there is glitter everywhere. Like every parent that has a kid that has, that's played with glitter, you know that six months later, there's glitter still in your floor and in your grout and on your carpet because it cannot go away. And I'm struggling to pick this stuff up, and I'm struggling to get it out of my office, and, 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 and I'm so frustrated, and I'm like, God, I can't pick this stuff up. it's like the Holy Spirit just spoke to me and he said, that's why I sent Jesus, because you couldn't pick up the mistakes in your life. You've been trying. You've been working hard. Some of you guys have been dealing with some sexual immorality for a long time, and you've done everything that you possibly can. You've, you've gone to every measure that you possibly can on your own. But apart from Jesus 
going to him and saying, man, I got a problem and repenting and allowing his power to work within you, man, you're going to struggle for the rest of your life. And here's the hope for us. It's found in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. And he says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revivers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Which pretty much puts all of us there, saying we're all screwed. He goes, and such were some of you. Not that you are. He says, and such were some of you. And he goes on to say, but... And I love the butts in the Bible. But you are washed. You are sanctified. Saying you are set apart, you are justified, your, your sin was taken care of. By Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And what it's saying there is, man, when, when Christ comes into your life, no matter what your past is, that, that the very chains that have been holding you down, that have been keeping you locked up that that man by the power of God Jesus can break those things in your life and Satan can never come and put something on you that Jesus broke and for some of us today man we need to realize that man we've got some chains that we need Jesus to break and we need to go to him and we need to say man God this is what's been holding me down it's what's been keeping me back and I need to I need to give my life to you today for others of us, it's, God, here's what I need to confess and I need to get right so that I can walk in freedom, so I can live in freedom, so I can live for you. And today, I'm just telling you, man, Jesus is here and he's ready to set some of you free. But the choice is of ours if we want to be free. Let's pray. Father God, I just come before you. And this is what I know, God, is that there's some people here that are dealing with with some things. There's some people here that are asking themselves the question, am I, am I living for myself? Am I living to please myself? Have I got myself caught up in a whole bunch of things that are all about me? Or am I living to really please Christ? Are there some chains in my life that are holding me back? Are there some, some, some sexual sins that are in my life that are, that are keeping me from becoming the person that you've called me to become? This is what I know is that God wants to touch you here today. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe that's you out there today. And today's the day that you need to confess first to God that, like, I need to deal with some of this stuff. And allow him to start to do a work in your life. And if that's you today, man, I would just ask that you would be real bold. With every head bowed and every eye closed, that you just slip your hand up and say, man, I'm, I'm dealing with some stuff. I need God to break some things in my life. Yes, thank you for being honest. I know it's hard to be honest in here. Yeah, a couple more. Yeah, some people are getting bold and getting real because they're tired of being chained up to some crap and some garbage in their life and they're ready to break free. See, the Bible says that if we confess our sins one to another, we can be healed. And, and instead of living with these pain and the shame and all these things, God wants to break some of those things in our life. And so God, I just pray for those people that were honest right now, God, that you would break some chains in life right now. In the name of Jesus, I pray that the Holy Spirit would go forth and do a miraculous work inside of them as they're dealing with those things that have been holding them back and keeping them from becoming the person that you've called them to be. I pray that you would rise up inside of them, Holy Spirit, and, be, and prepare them to walk in the freedom that you've always designed them to have. 
God, I thank you for what you're doing in this place. God, I pray that as we continue to sing here, that you would continue to convict us, that God, that you would continue to move in our hearts, God, and that you would start to change us from the inside out. And God, that we would get real and we would get authentic and we would pursue you with everything that we have. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.